I think love is, well, I think the feeling of love <laughs> is a sign of what we're made for, which is the actual doing of love. The feeling of, of longing for someone, of intently caring for someone, is actually not the thing itself. It's, it's a sign of something that we're made to do, which is to give ourselves um, to, to others and ultimately to God. And it's also a sign that God is love and hasn't just felt something for us, but has actually given himself. Um, so God, God has actually stepped into the story and entered into suffering and offered himself. And we're meant to step into people's stories and offer ourselves in their stories. Um, you know, the feeling of love is, it comes and goes and it's, it can be, you can, it can be manipulated, uh, it can be elicited, uh, but the doing of love is much more impressive. <laughs> um, when my friend David was dying of cancer and I was in his room and his brother and his wife were helping him just with some very, very fundamental bodily needs that all bodies have, that most of us, when we're healthy, can take care of for, for ourselves. And they, they gave me the gift in a way of, of staying in the room while they helped David with just one of these bodily needs. Uh, and, and to see a brother and a wife loving a human being that way, not, I don't know what they were feeling other than awkwardness, <laughs> but what they were doing was love. And when we feel that, I think it, it's, it's a clue. You're made for this level of giving to, to others. Uh, and someone has given themselves that much for you, uh, has entered that deeply into your reality, uh, has done that much for you. I think that's what love is actually about. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you see us the way you do. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us the charge and that you expect and that you trust us to love your creation, to love humanity here on this earth the way that you pour your love out on us. So Lord, I pray that tonight, will you open our minds, will you open our hearts, will you help our um, desire, our motivation, our passion, will you help it to be um, in the direction that you long for it to be. We trust you. We love you. We pray it through Jesus. Amen. Ah, what a great family weekend we had this last weekend, huh? We had a great time at the park yesterday as families, a family of families, and just enjoying um, a nice brisk 
cool, windy day. And uh, so it was something else, man. I, we, we were kind of ready for it to be about 80 degrees and hopeful for a wind, but little did we know we were hoping for the sun to come out and not have quite so much wind. But nevertheless, we had a fantastic time. And I'm so thankful to our leaders that lead our family ministry the way that they do so strong to help us build strong families by spending time playing together and enjoying the time the way we did yesterday. And so everybody, thank you um, for being there and thank you for the time we got to spend together. Now, I'm trusting that this word, this phrase wasn't said yesterday, but has anybody ever heard the phrase, because I said so? Yeah, right? Anybody grow up hearing because I said so? Yeah, anybody pledge that you would never say to your children because I said so? Anybody pledge that you would never say to your children because I said so, yet found yourself saying because I said so? Yeah, right? It's a crazy, crazy thing. Did you know that this phrase actually comes from a really good place? There are examples all throughout Scripture of God saying because I said so as the Father. Think because I said so. The hard part is, is that when we, we humans begin to utilize the Word of God, we tend to selfish eyes this thing, don't we? We make it a self-serving thing. It's kind of like, you know, um, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, right? Well, it's true. God brought us in the world. God can take us out. We find ourselves delivering the same message with a little bit of a different phase of love, right, than God has for us. You know, maybe a little tougher, a little bit more angry. I don't even know what the phrase snarky, you know, we could use that one also. You know, when humanity begins to take the good things of God and we humanize them or we make them a bit more self-centered, things change, don't they? It's kind of like the phrase, if you love me, you'll and fill in the blank. We find that all throughout Scripture. It's the truth. If we love God, we will follow God anywhere and everywhere. If we love God, we will do as God says. But if all of a sudden there's a teenage boy saying this to a teenage girl, it means something different, doesn't it? Yeah, right? That means something completely different. There's a completely different phrase of Jesus saying, let the little children come unto me, and adults, male, saying, I love touching children. Oh, what? That's a little bit too harsh. I know I got, that was maybe over the line. That was my, sorry, that was the last example that I've got of this. We'll let that be. Because that's, we humans, we, we make things selfish. And we, we make them self-serving. And we turn things that are really good. And all of a sudden, they get yucky. And they get tainted. And they get icky. Y'all, we're on a journey right now. This is a very, very important journey that we are on right now to remember the truth that motivates who we are, what we do, and why we say and do what we say and do. We're on a journey right now to remind ourselves of the truth that we stand on that gives us our mode of operation as we look forward to the public launch of Legacy Church in Hutto, Texas this fall. And so what we're doing right now is we're, we're taking now all the way through the summer to remind ourselves what have we put in place, what has God done through us over the last 11 years of our existence 
What has modified? What has remained the same? What are the things that we know who we are, why we do what we do, and why it's so important that we continue doing these things in the name of Jesus, especially as God begins to trust us with people from this area? We're here. We've moved, we're excited, and we're pumped to be here. We just got to make sure that we remember what we're doing and why it is that we're doing what we're doing. Last week, we discussed the most important commandment for us to get right, and that is to love God first. If there's anything we get right on this earth, we got to get this one right. Not just any God, right? The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, all God we got to get that right. If we get that wrong or we get the wrong God or we, we remove Jesus from the equation or any of that kind of thing, we've messed it all up. So if we get anything right, we got to love God first. Now, of course, we know that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we have a triune God that is relational. Just in and of the creation of the world, we see the creator saying, let us make man in our image. And so we have this relational God who has created humanity, and guess how he created us? Relational. To be in relationships with one another. Because as God is relational, we are relational. And so tonight, we move to the second most important thing we get right here on this earth. The second most important commandment from God through Jesus to get right, and that is to love people. We love God first, and then we love people. It's the second half of our mission as legacy. You guys know, if you haven't heard it before, our mission is to love God and love people. That's who we are. That's what we're on this earth attempting to do as this expression of the body of Christ in Central Texas. This is who we want to be. Love God, love people. This is why we function the way we do in all things we do with all people we come in contact with. At least that's our goal. It's what we're pushing hard towards. You want to know why that's so important? Because God said so. Our Heavenly Father said, if you're going to get anything right, He communicated through His Son by the power of the Holy Spirit that said, if you get anything right, love me and love the people that I have created and breathe life into on this wonderful earth. There's this perspective that we've got to have as Christ followers. So let's pick it up where we left off last week. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. I'll start with what we discussed last week, and then we'll move into today. Verse 37, excuse me. Um, after Jesus was cornered and an expert in the law had asked him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, in the second half of this verse, is quoting Leviticus 19.18, where the people of God were instructed to not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among the people of God, but love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as Jesus does, Jesus took this teaching that was this big and went, now we're just going to kind of go this way. And so there's this expansion of our neighbor and how we care for those 
who are near to us in one way or another. And so the instructions Jesus gives us are to love our neighbor as ourself. And so Jesus is telling us the target of our love. He's telling us the target of our love is not just God the Father first, but it also is to be towards people as we want that love to be towards ourselves. And so today I'm going to encourage you to do something that may surprise you. Today I'm going to encourage you to break the golden rule. I'm going to encourage you to break this golden rule because we've humanized the golden rule. So I'm not really going to encourage you to break scripture. What I'm going to encourage you to do is to break our understanding of the golden rule. Because as we have taken something that we read in scripture here and we've turned it, we've actually made it selfish when it was never intended to be selfish in the first place. And so how many of you grew up hearing your parent or your guardian teach you to treat other people as you want to be treated? Yeah, I was too. And what was meant by that was something very positive, to be kind, to forgive them, to care for them. Those were very good things. The hard part is, is that in so doing, what we've done is we've taught people to look at other people the way we look at ourselves. And we've taught people to think, well, if I like it, you must like it. Well, if this is good for me, it must be good for you. And can you see how this has created all kinds of issues in marriages, in parenting? It's created issues in friendships and relationships. Because if we're treating people solely the way we want to be treated and the things that we like we're trying to do to other people, we're going to miss the mark on a regular basis. And so today we're going to try to break this golden rule. I mean, yeah, I mean, every, everything in this was was intended to be good. However, it's been turned. So here's the scripture where this comes from. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Sounds just like treat others the way you want to be treated, doesn't it? We'll get there. Do unto others or do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and prophets. But here's the issue. People are selfish suckers. People are selfish. We are. We modify this to say treat others the way you want to be treated. And what it has done is it has enabled us to turn this very good phrase to carry an unfortunate, selfish tone. And as we grow older, the way of interpreting the golden rule comes back to bite us a little. Now, here's what I mean by this. I, by nature the way God has designed me, the way God put me together, I am an encourager. I love to come alongside people and encourage them in the things uh, that they are doing, whether things are succeeding or whether things are failing. I love to kind of look half full at the situation and encourage and motivate to, to move forward. Another thing that I've recognized over this last year is that COVID has kind of done something to me. I didn't realize that I was kind of a physical touch kind of guy, like a handshake or a, a hug or, you know, anything. I didn't realize that I was quite the way that I guess I am. But, you know, this last year, I, I, I find myself, we're sitting around the dinner table the other night talking as a family, and it just kind of bubbled to the top. We were talking about how the way we receive love has changed over the last year. And in my kids, it's changed in certain ways. In my bride, it's changed in certain ways. And in me, it's changed because this one has elevated. It's not that it wasn't ever there, but it's just elevated. 
And so words of affirmation are not quite as powerful. However, for me to receive love, if somebody says, man, Danny, great job, you know, or something that I feel really insecure about, they point out and say that I did a good job with it, man, that, that would be, that's very meaningful. The same thing is true, a hug or a handshake or a high five or something like that. Those are, those are ways. But here's the thing. There are those of you that are sitting in this room. If I came up to give you a hug or a handshake or a high five, how many of you that would be a good thing? Yeah, absolutely. How about those of you that if I came up to you to give you a hug, a handshake, or a high five, that would not be a good thing. Yeah, you're like, I'm not raising my hand on that one, Danny. <laughs> because I was totally going to take note who's, raised, who's raising their hand so that I would know, okay, I got my rules of engagement here. I got, no. But here's the thing. There are some of you in this room that if I were to try to give care to you in that way, it would be one of the worst things I could do. Because it's not a way that you receive love. It's not a way that you receive care. And it even gets worse if a person like tries to force that on you, right? Not cool. It's not cool at all. And so that's just a really, really good example. You know, my bride, as I was discussing, we were, we were, we were kind of working through this as a family and me encouraging my wife is really good. It's really good for me to encourage my wife, but if I really, really want to meet a need in my bride, I got to spend some quality time with her. I got to spend quality time. I got to go out in the evening time or I get to go out in the evening time with her um, to go do chores or something like that around the house. One of the best things I can do is walk out, you know, to where some of our animals are and, and, and to, to care for some of them. And then just to talk the whole time that we're there. Take her out on a date, something I don't do near as well as I should. Take her out on a date. But you want to know something? Pushing a vacuum never hurts either. So I got one of those iRobot vacuum things. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so, so here's the deal. Just quality time. Just spending time with her. But if I just talk to her all the time, telling her how awesome she is, she hears it. But it's not the greatest way to give care to her. So I can't treat her the way I want to be treated. I got to treat her the way she needs to be treated, to love her the way she needs to be loved. See, when Jesus gave this golden nugget of wisdom to us as humanity and how to care for other people, what Jesus intended was an immense amount of selflessness to be at the core of our motivation. We give care to people, not because of what we receive from them. We give care to people because we genuinely love them and want to just give this. This was at the core of what Jesus is teaching here, why he says, do to others what you would have them do to you. Because don't you want people to study you, care for you, lean into you, meet the needs that you have in the way that means meaningful to you? Yeah, that's what everybody on this planet wants, is for everybody to, to, to take notice of you, to approve of you, whether you do good or whether you do bad, to lean in and to notice things that are meaningful to you and then take action. It's what everybody wants. So of course, do unto others as we would have them do unto us really means do unto others as they would have us do unto them. 
This is the teaching. This is why we've got to shatter our preconceived ideas around this golden rule. And so everybody, we got to treat people the way they want to be treated. Not just the way we think we want to be treated and transfer it over to them. This is why God, this is what God does for us all the time. This is what God does for our lives. God loves us so well because God studies and knows our needs and then meets them the way that we need. He's so good at this. And God expects us to do likewise with other people, to get outside of our perspectives, to get outside of our preconceived ideas and enter into the lives of people, study people, know people, invest in people, build relationships with people and know the ways that they receive love and give love accordingly. This is what God expects from us. And this is what is meant by love people. Sounds simple, right? It's not simple at all. It's hard. Because relationships take time. And oftentimes, our selfishness gets in the way. Which is why we need Jesus to save us over and over and over and over again. To specifically save us from ourselves. So that we can genuinely love people the way that they need to be loved. Jesus throws us a curveball though. He throws us a curveball as if it's as if it's not difficult enough to love people in this manner. He gives this curveball to us. We are to love people as we love ourselves. So now we've got selfishness, now we've got our own needs, now we've got just regular old self-care. We got all this stuff intertwined with love people. So it includes us too. So this gets really, really challenging because God is assuming we have a God-like love for ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm not talking about infatuation with self. I'm not talking about, man, Danny sure thinks a lot of himself. I'm not, think, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a genuine God love that we've received from God. We receive how God sees us and we love ourselves the way that God loves us. So God is assuming that we are loving people as we love ourselves as God is loving us. This is a big deal. And so let's do a little exercise and we're gonna do the same exercise that we did this last Sunday with 1 Corinthians 13. And so we're going to do this same one. So we're going to take this biblical practice of inserting God's name every time we see the word love. So we have God's name. God is patient. God is kind. God is not envy. Uh, God does not boast, is not proud, does not dishonor others. You see what I'm saying? We're going to place God's name in there. And then what we did last week was we put legacy in there. We said, us as a church, is this what we're known for? Is legacy known as patient, kind, envy? with no envy, not boasting. Is that, is that how we are known? And then we placed our own name in there and we said, Danny, Danny is patient. Danny is kind. Danny does not envy. And we placed our name in there and we said, is that how we're known? Is that how I'm known? And we kind of went through this whole exercise. And so today we're going to do a little twist to this exercise because it's assuming that this is how we are towards other people. So let's do this little exercise right quick. I want you to place your name in here as we read this. You're going to place your name in there with yourself as the target. Danny is patient with himself. 
Danny is kind with himself. You see, you put your own name in there. Not envious of yourself, does not boast about yourself, is not proud, unhealthy pride, which means you can't receive help, can't receive care, those kinds of things, is not proud myself, does not dishonor himself. Danny is not self-seeking, is not easily angered with himself, keeps no record of wrongs with himself, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth about himself, always protects himself, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Man, that's an exercise there. Are you known for being gentle with yourself or are you known for beating the crap out of yourself? What are you known for? Are you known for being patient or are you known for just wishing you could just get it right because you've been trying to get it right for so long and you just can't get it right and you just can't get it right and there must be something wrong with you. And you're just critical and critical and critical of yourself. This is not how God longs for you to be with yourself. God longs for you to love him. God longs for you to love people. And God longs for you to be gentle with you. Don't let the inner critic beat you up. God longs for you to know how special you are, how loved you are, how good he created you. Yes, selfishness has blasted all of that. But God longs for us to love ourselves as God loves us. It's the only way we're going to be able to genuinely love other people the way God loves other people. Because we have a firsthand experience with this. Receiving of this love. Very quickly after we read this and we see this about ourselves, we can't stay there too long because if we stay there too long, we, we have the, the, the propensity to then make this about us. And we don't want to do that. And so as we work this out just in and of ourselves between us and God, very quickly we then need to think about, okay, now towards others, towards my spouse, towards my kids, towards my friends, towards my coworkers, towards my baseball, my kid's baseball coach, towards that parent of my kids on my kid's baseball team or whatever it is, right? Or towards the other team. Am I patient, kind, not envious? Do I compare? Am I getting caught in that trap? Am I, you know, all that kind of stuff very quickly. Is that how we're known? Is that what people describe about you and me? when it comes to the way that we treat people. Church family, you will never love people well if you are not also loving you well. You just won't. Because you're giving out of what you don't have rather than giving out of what God has given you. This immense, beautiful, selfless love. And so can I encourage you to spend time studying you Not looking for all the ways that you're horrible. But why don't you look for all of the ways that God has given you beautiful gifts and talents. Your intellect, your skill sets, 
those kinds of, why don't you spend time studying you and seeing how fearfully and wonderfully God made you? Spend some time doing this. Let God teach you about you, investing in you so that you're not the end user of this, right? So that you are able to learn how to let God teach you about other people. Because if we don't take time a lot letting God pour into us about us, how will we ever take time letting God pour into us about other people that God longs for us to love and care for and to share his love with? It's the only way this works. God's love is the true love. God's love is the true love. And so we're called and we're encouraged in this scripture to love people as we love ourselves. Then we're able to give out of what we have to give instead of what we have to manufacture in order to give. God's not about us needing to manufacture the energy to love somebody. He's all about us receiving this love so that we are giving out of the love that God has given to us. And so church, that's, that's the second half. We want to love God and we want to love people as we love ourselves. And so this is just the beginning. We're just kind of getting the ground rules, but here's the thing. These two weeks, last week and this week, are the most important ones because if we don't get these two, we're going to be in the dark, literally, right? We're not going to be able to see where we need to go. We got to love God. We got to love people the way God longs for us to. That way we're reminded who we are, why we do what we do, and we're able to keep the main thing, the main thing as a church. And so if we get anything right on earth, let's kind of pull it all together. If we get anything right on this earth, God says that we need to get these three main things right. Number one, love God first. If you stop there, that's the most important thing you get right, to love God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit first and foremost. Secondly, to love people as God loves us. Love people as God loves us. And then the third one is to love ourselves as we love people. As we're caring and we're giving people what we want for ourselves, we then need to love ourselves as we love them. So we love God first, love people as God loves us, and to love ourselves as we love people. So let's just take a moment and imagine for just a second. We like to do this every now and then. Let's just kind of put ourselves in this moment can you imagine what life would look like for us individually if we get these three things? Can you imagine what life will look like individually to strike this healthy balance of loving people as we are loving ourselves? If you can't imagine that, if you can't do that, I want to encourage you to do something this week. Take the practices that we've done the last couple of weeks. Take 1 Corinthians 13, and I just want to encourage you to read through these. Doing the exact exercises that we've done. Place God's name in there everywhere you see the word love or it talks about love. Then take a moment and place our church there. Place yourself there. And then place yourself there as the target of God's love. I just let God begin to show you where God is at work. Because God is at work all around you and longs for you to receive what God has for you, perhaps in a way you have never received before. It's going to take a little time, though, so just carve out a little bit where you can just sit 
and say, God, show me where you are. And then just sit and wait. I promise you, if you do this, God will come through every single time. The Spirit will guide and Jesus will show you the way to the point where you can imagine being balanced, loving God, loving people, loving yourself with God's love, being kind to you, being kind to people, genuinely laying your life down for others. It's totally possible. It's a high calling. It's a high expectation. Totally doable by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. You can do it. Can you imagine the freedom that comes on this earth when you no longer live having to impress other people and get their approval? But it's not because you don't want them to want to be around you. No, 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 you want that. How else do we share Jesus with people? But you just realize that life doesn't rise and fall on somebody's opinion of you. Life rises and falls on God's opinion of you. And out of that, we live with confidence. Out of that, we love. Not so that we receive love, but we love because we've already been loved. We serve others not because of something we want to get from them, but we serve because we've already been served. And there's this beautiful relationship that begins to flourish. And as the difficulties of relationship come, we find ourselves at peace in the middle of a really hard time. Not because we've manufactured it, but because the Prince of Peace is present. And so church, this is what it's about. This is who we are. This is why we do what we do. And this is what everything else flows from. Everything else we're going to talk about, everything, every other hashtag, every other pithy phrase we've used, every other biblical study we've gone through, everything, it centers around this. And so I hope if you haven't taken a picture of this screen or you haven't written it down or you haven't, if you got the photographic memory, haven't snapped a shot in your own mind or whatever it is, we got to get this right. This is who we long to be known as. And this is what people, we long for people to receive when they come in contact from anybody who is a part of this church. So if you get anything right, let's get these things right. This is who we are. This is what we do. And this is what we mean when we say, live the legacy. Father, this is, this is yours. Lord, there is nothing in here we've created for ourselves. And Lord, I pray that that's where the strength of this comes from because Lord, this is you. These are your commands. This is your encouragement. This is your challenge. And this is what you provide the way for us to live. This is 
how you long for us to live. And so, Lord, will you, will you help Jesus to shine the light in the darkness of our soul, in the darkness of the corners of our heart, in the darkness of our neighborhoods, in the darkness of our, the, our extracurricular activities. And, Lord, you show the way. Lord, will you shine your light in our homes? Will you shine the light in our minds, in our hearts, in our strength? And Lord, will you help us to, to live out of this love that we are receiving from you because, Lord, we are listening to you. Father, we need you. Help us not to manipulate your word for selfish purposes, but Lord, let us manipulate I don't even know. Let us, let us, if we're going to bend it in one direction or the other, Lord, let us manipulate it in your direction. <laughs> let us bend it towards you. Lord, we long to be known for our extravagant love for you and our extravagant love for the people on this earth. We want to be known for who we're for rather than what we're against. We want to fight the norms of our culture and swim upstream in those ways that are counter to your way. Lord, we long to do everything through relationships and Lord, we long to see with excellence a generational impact that flows from generation to generation to generation telling your story. So Lord, be with us. Help us. We can't do it alone. We need you to be the power. We pray this through the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.